Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Morning. Mr. David Lee Scales, a married man. I know. Feels I guess, so great. I guess you're a married man for our last episode too. So thanks, thanks the time machine. Exactly. Um it was just one final technicality. We're already living together. We already have a kid together. The marriage is really more for the parents and the family and everybody else. Uh did she is she now Lauren Scales? She is. I mean, um, she changed her Instagram name. If that is that, if that's the indicator, I think that's more important than the legal document. The legal documents just take a lot of time and effort. So that's in the works. It just uh, is not official as of yet. How mad is she that she has to go to the DMV and get a new license? I guess we all do. Stinking California. Have you gotten your whatever 2.0 license yet? No. I'm really going to wait till the last minute. I have a passport. I have like, do you actually need that for traveling in the future? I may, I don't think so. I think if you're traveling, I think you do need it to travel uh, in the United States. But if you have a passport, you're just as good. So you just got to bring your passport. Anything to avoid the DMV. If it means I have to carry my passport for the rest of my life, I'll just carry my passport. Amen. How have you been for the last two weeks? Great. Busy. We've had a lot of news, a lot of news to keep up on. The surf world just exploded since you yeah. moved You Looks like you grew a mustache since I've last seen you. I did. Grown a mustache. Uh, yeah. A lot of surf news. I just, it's morning tonight. I can't even keep up. Well, it's funnily, I don't know if when you're a hammer, the whole world looks like a nail, but as far as I could tell, tell from Beach Grit, um, it's all love stories. It I'm is. recently married and it's all Giselle and Kelly. It's all Emrata and maybe Brad Pitt, maybe a DJ from New York. You don't know. It's like heart. Yeah, no, it's, it's a seasonal. Who knew that fall was the season of love? I guess pumpkin spice made it the season of love. Indeed. That'll do it to the best of us. Um, <laughs> so let's talk. Uh, Kelly Slater reuniting with Giselle and Emily Ratajkowski, potentially with Brad Pitt. Um, Let's start with Emily first of all. Yeah. What is her relate? What is her relation to the surf world? Uh, Emily Rada, Emily Radakowski, Emrata grew up uh, in Encinitas. Did you know that? I did. She went to San Diego High School, 
she uh, is local. I mean, I've seen her shopping at the Seaside Market before. She, so I figure she's got to be Encinitas' uh, most famous first anything, right? Famous first child. Got to be the most yeah. famous person from Encinitas. And there's no doubt that she, sleepy little surf town, no doubt she dabbled in surf at some point and or dated a surfer. So there's our connection. It goes deeper than that, if you're not aware. She used to do uh, body glove campaigns. Oh, what? Thank yeah. you, David Lee. Uh, this is, we're gonna you, have a, we got another story today. Yeah, you should check with Jimmy Kane. I feel like Jimmy Kane may have even shot some of that stuff. Brilliant. Yeah. Okay, I'm going in. This is going to be a deeper dive. Yeah, she definitely is surf industry adjacent. Um, and I feel like even her modeling career, like the entry point was surf, surf brand. Yeah. Great. Well, thank you. Thank you for providing texture to an already, already rich story. You're welcome. Um, so we'll get into her story and her love life, but I'll start by saying, I think she is the epitome of the Instagram model. And there's so many Instagram models that um, the platform makes them look so much more glamorous and even more beautiful than maybe they do in real life. Her, I feel like it's actually uh, the platform cannot make her look more beautiful than she does in real life. You know what I mean? Like she has this natural, just beauty, but she happened to come about at a time where the platform allowed her to elevate what she was doing or what she hoped to do with her career. Um, so much so that she has transitioned into full-fledged celebrity. I mean, from Instagram model to starring in Gone Girl as the yep. love interest for Ben Affleck to now doing the highest fashion runway uh, shows and magazine shoots and all that sort of stuff. So she is a legitimate celebrity at this point. Possibly but dating Brad Pitt. I, I know. So I thought that she was married. You know, she got married four years ago or whatever it was to some dude who I was really surprised when I saw him lock her down. I was like, who's what? this dork? I saw that but, dork at the seaside market. He looked just as, dork, really? just as squishy faced and pudgy and yeah, worthless. And then you look, I looked him up after you started writing these stories on Beach Grid. I looked him up just to find out his backstory and he's a quote producer, which I feel like means he just doesn't actually earn a living and he dabbled in film. Do you have any idea what his backstory is? No, but it had to be family money or something, right? Okay. Like, there's no way he was locking Amrata down on the virtue of his film production. Like, he is for sure some Hollywood or, you know, established money thing. Got it. Uh, she, he's also not locking her down based on his looks. He's a weird no. looking dude. He's a weird looking squish. So what's up with the Brad Pitt connection? Well, the Brad Pitt connection was floating for, I think, a good 10 days, right? And that her, I mean, the internet abuzz with the Brad Pitt, Emily Ratajkowski, possibly together, even though they had never been photographed in the same place at the same time. Uh, but burning hot. And I was just thinking, oh, my goodness. What if, you know, I've seen Emily Ratajkowski down here. But as I wrote, I've had dinner with Emily Ratajkowski up in, up in Los Angeles. Nice, intimate dinner. Uh, I was thinking, no, we're basically friends. Could I basically be friends with Brad Pitt? I mean, if she's down here, her family's still here, Brad Pitt's going to start coming down here. Amazing. It wouldn't it just be great. But alas, the stinking DJ seems like he's gotten in the way. Well, there's photos of her and the DJ that kind yeah. of validate the rumors. Yeah. So. I, don't, I don't need another New York DJ in my life. 
frankly. I don't need one in my life. Absolutely. That's a fantastic point. Um, and Brad Pitt, I, I want to believe in the Brad Pitt rumor because I think that's a great pairing. It is. And I, and I also like that he's pretty, other than his marriages, I feel like he flies under the radar. Like he probably dates a ton of women. We don't know who any of them are. I feel that him being down here would provide an extra layer of secrecy. He would not exactly. advertise it, right? I, I feel the waves would suddenly get a little less crowded. There would be a little less people clogging the streets, right? Just because Brad Pitt is here spreading some smoke around. The problem is you're publicizing it. You're actually writing about it, and that's going to draw attention to Encinitas. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Man, you're the really, culprit. I'm caught between a rock and a hard place here. <laughs> um, do you like Brad Pitt? I mean... I've always liked his movies, uh, always. Like, uh, yeah, so I'm a Brad Pitt fan. And then once had a buddy who was uh, catering a wedding or working as a, was a long time ago. But Brad, when he was married to Jennifer, was hanging out there. And they would go, Buddy and Brad would go on smoke breaks and during the event. And he said he was totally down to earth and normal. He seems like the coolest dude ever. Like he seems yeah. down to earth and normal. I love the fact that he smokes a ton of weed. Yeah. Like that's, and he, well, I guess he doesn't anymore. I guess he's sober now, but for, sober. for a couple of years or a couple of decades, I guess, like he was just smoking a ton of weed, but not acting like a stoner. He was always no, incredibly we're, 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 lucid. Yeah. yeah. Incredibly charismatic, charming. Um, I think he's an underrated actor as well. For sure. And uh, did you read, uh, it just came out, I think, in one of his later, latest interviews from maybe a while ago now. But uh, he has a psychological disorder where he can't recognize faces. I've heard of that disorder, but I didn't know he had it. Yeah, he has it. And so he says people don't believe him, but he says it's true. And he says, so a lot of people think he's rude because he just won't remember them like by face. Uh, so he'll do that. He, he looks like he's trying to cool guy everybody. But I was thinking Brad Pitt is the one guy on Earth who can fully cool guy anyone else on earth he maybe not totally. you know you can't cool george clooney maybe cool guy george clooney but anyone else is fair game for you brad Pitt. so don't feel bad um, it's like the perfect disease for the perfect person to carry the disease it really is face blindness is what i've yeah. heard it referred as yes he's got it that's incredible well there's no chance that a new york dj gets in the way of brad pitt by the way brad, no, if, no. if that happened it was because brad turned emily down it is no chance that that guy swooped on brad for sure but I, and maybe maybe brad is so good at the smoke game that he planted this new york dj he's just like emily go like go act as we like That's to call point. it go act the scene just to keep our love you know away we're not the kardashians we are Brad Pitt and Emily Ratajkowski. We're a, we're a layer above. So how was your dinner with her? What can you reveal to our listeners? Yeah, it was great. Uh, it was a, uh, I can't remember how we met this woman, but it was a woman who like curates dinner parties for her, I guess she combines different, you know, models, actors, musicians, whatever. And I have no idea. Cersei and I met her at a party, one party. She said, you guys are great you're interesting action sports i think maybe was intriguing and she said you know come to my next dinner party so it was just like a, i don't know maybe 10 people but it was all like movers and shakers right it was emily radikowski i can't remember who the other ones were but i do remember you know it was like beautiful dinner outside small table it was a small little bungalow up in los angeles 
in the yard. Uh, and then some guy came in late and was acting. Uh, I thought he was just acting super effective. Like he had a bunch of, you know, like unbuttoned shirt and jewelry on and, you know, gaudy cowboy boots. And he was talking about, he was all like, you know, acting all weird, acting like all drug addled and, but it all seemed effective. It seemed like this guy's trying to pretend like he's a rock star. And then at some point he pulled out a guitar and started playing. And I was like, well, that's pretty good. Or, you know, whatever. Like, but what butthole pulls out a guitar at a dinner party? Like, come on, man. Uh, only, and then, so I made Cersei leave. I'm, I'm over this thing. Let's leave. So we left early and apparently he continued on for the night and it was great. And lo and behold, he was Father John Misty, Josh Tillman. I had no idea. <laughs> He was allowed to be an affected rock star. <laughs> that is so funny. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, yeah. That I don't even care if you are Father John Misky. It's a douchey move to show up with your guitar and bust it out unless people ask you to. He had just come from the recording studio. Uh, so he had it with him and was all like, I think all skitzy because of, you know, he was just in creative space. But yeah, I'm sure he was asked. I'm sure it was part of the curated, you know, these interesting people doing interesting things and here's Amrat and here's father john there right. you go but yeah i gotcha. sat right next to sat next to Amrata. we talked about north county a bunch she was totally lovely a lovely person good i love seeing great career things happen to good people it's that's nothing but her totally um and then the other story dominating the headlines on beach grit uh, Kelly Slater potentially reuniting with Giselle. So what is their backstory? Well, uh, Giselle and Kelly dated from 2005 through 2006, two years, maybe not coincidentally, that Kelly won world titles, right? Giselle, Kelly split up. She went on her way, swept off the feet by Tom Brady. But then weeks ago comes out that Tom Brady and Giselle are on the rocks. Both of went and hired divorce lawyers. So surf fans, of course, couldn't help but wish for a reunion. When was the last time, David Lee Scales, we had a top-tier couple in surfing? Uh, John John Florence and Taylor Swift. Exactly. John John Florence and Taylor Swift was the last one we had. Before that, it was Kelly and Giselle. Before that, it was Kaipo and Madonna. We've been, we've had such a long gap between a high powered surfing couple that surf fans, of course, are just aching for it and willing, trying to will this into reality. Um, you'd have to fact check me on this one. What about uh, Stephanie Gilmore and Spike Jones? See, that's a tough one because I'm not going to say Spike Jones counts as a major, uh, as a major. He'd be a mid major. That's good. You know, I like it. I'll, I'll count Steph Gilmore and Spike Jones the same as I count Jack Freestone and a lot of Blanchard. That's okay, cool. fair enough. But, fair enough. Because Spike is, uh, I mean, he's got all the street cred in the world. Right. In in terms of surf skate, but also in terms of Hollywood directing. Sure. But you're right. My parents don't know his name. Precisely. Like Giselle, the world knows Giselle and the world adjacent knows Kelly. So yeah, like, yeah, that's yeah. what I'm talking, I'm talking about like hot heat, right? Where, yeah, Spike Jones is great. Nothing against Spike, but a mid major. Right. Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, so does that mean that Kelly and Kalani are done or is this just an opportunity awaits? 
I've got to say that if this opened up, Kalani would take one for the team. She would recognize, hey, the surf world needs you and Giselle together more than it needs me, right? I'm going to take one for the team and Kelly, have at it. Go, go and be good. And what if it's also just a career move? Like, hey, Kelly, this will be great to elevate your profile and your career. And whether or not it's sincere, go ahead and dabble in the headlines a little bit. Go actually go on a lunch date, hold hands, maybe even get a smooch for the cameras. And then we'll... Thousand percent. Everybody sees, I mean, even Kalani Miller has to see uh, Kelly's surf career coming to an end, right? And there's got to be, sure, he's made real estate investments. He's, you know, outer known. He's got some stuff coming in. You know, Kelly Slater will be fine, but it has to be, you know, recession is looming. High, you know, everything costs a lot of money these days. Uh, maybe Kalani's looking down and saying, we need a little more money. There's a quick way to get that. Kelly, Giselle, boom. Wearing outer known. I mean, this is the ultimate play for outer known ultimately sure. is what it is. How I mean, are we going to get outer known imagery, clothing splashed on every tabloid across the world? A photo of you wearing a blanket flannel with kissing Giselle. I mean, even better because they have the blanket flannel for women too. And the fact that boom. we're even talking about Giselle in a blanket flannel, it's Boom. already it's already a win for outer known and for it's Kelly. already working but, their plan yeah. is already working <laughs> amazing well that's a perfect segue as it turns out into the main bulk of today's show which is um how to get rich how to make money and right. stab stab magazines on episode three of their house surfers get paid series which your wife cersei was featured in episode one maybe episode two as well and um I want to kind of break this story down a little bit because it relates to so many different things uh, that we talk about all the time. Paul Nod, Paul Nod, or Paul Nod A. Yeah, Nod A says at the opening of this video piece that he doesn't like outsiders coming into our space. And the episode is mainly about Nike getting involved in the surf space. And uh, it's on Stab Premium. I highly recommend it. It's about 45 minutes long, but it's excellent. It's um, a documentary series, essentially, but they, they're getting the information straight from the horse's mouths, the people who are writing these contracts, negotiating these contracts, the athletes who are getting paid by these contracts, and they're giving actual dollar amounts of these contracts. Are you and telling me talk- it's not rumor, colon? What's that? Are you telling me it's not rumor, colon, dot, 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 dot? Exclamation point at the end. <laughs> No, I would say it's fact. And it's also, um, so they're, they're giving you the facts, but also with the benefit of hindsight, kind of looking at it with the context of how it's affected the surf landscape, you know, and, uh, and the demise ultimately, because that was a high and now a low, which is kind of funny because the fact that I remember these stories, like they were yesterday yeah. shows how old you and I are for sure. For sure. It's, but it's crazy. Yeah. Living through it too. I mean, I continue, I suppose living through it though, the, the, uh, it felt like that would never end. Right. It felt like, I mean, yeah, I don't know. It just felt like what it was. That's what surfers, surfers were worth a couple million dollars a year for like baseline pay. And of course, and the brands will always be around and everything's 
you know, nobody saw the surf industry apocalypse coming. That's what I'm saying. You know, what's interesting is it always feels that way. It always, like if your career is on the ascent, let's say, I mean, and I don't just mean career. Like if your life is on the ascent, if your love life is on, whatever it happens to be, you just feel like, oh, things just gradually get better. But inevitably, if you look at anything, if you read a history book, everything goes up and up and down. Sometimes it completely implodes, you know? And so it's, it's kind of a good lesson to watch these things and learn from and realize, you know, uh, the benefit of saving or whatever it happens to be the benefit of being prudent. Because when Julian was making however many millions a year from Nike as their key surf athlete, hopefully he, he recognized that that was a limited term thing. I reckon most of them did at least invest in real estate, which maybe not a great deal on Australia now, but I think overall it's probably fairly safe. Yeah. Yeah. I would think so. Um, and we will get to the Mick Fanning story that you wrote as well, because that ties into all of this. But let me just start off by asking you about Paul Nade's opening quote that I don't like outsiders coming into our space. He goes on a little bit further to say that he wants to defend the borders of surf culture. What are your thoughts on non-endemics being involved? You and I have non-endemic sponsors on this show. I mean, back then I, I loved it, right? Like I think there was, it's funny, I would poke fun of Nade or did in a couple stories, I think for the surfing days, I can't remember, or maybe Stab, I can't remember who I was writing for, but somebody, I can't remember who this story is going really good. As you can tell, uh, pulled me aside <laughs> and said, Hey, Paul, not a, and you basically think the same thing. Like you should go after him. He's like a full on flex, like keep people out, you know, all this kind of stuff. And I was like, Ooh, so that always made me respect not a, or from then on. Um, but then, uh, as it relates to the, the problem is that's totally great. I want to keep the people out, but it's, it didn't work. Like the, the war is over. Right. Like the walls are broken. Um, I suppose uh, not a as Visla now, right? Mm-hmm. Does he still? Yeah. I mean, I guess if you could start, like, if you could make a little collective of like a Visla and a Rourke and a, I don't know, some of the baby brands and really flex and say, you know, board riders anymore isn't surfing. Uh, Volcom isn't surfing. You know, really go out and do like a sort of old school gotcha campaign about that's not surfing this is i would totally back that i just i don't know how you do that right there's there's no like once you lose quicksilver billabong volcom you know vans like who's like all the endemics are done or or owned by you know equity or other companies except for some small ones and that's great i mean i suppose we should all support the small ones right we should go all shop Visla and Rourke and wherever else, uh, Critical Wave or Critical Slide Society, all of this is where our money should be going to, right? As surfers. Yeah, I think so. Um, I support that. I think, like, it's interesting to watch Nade through this piece or through this series because there's times where I disagree with him and think that he's completely wrongheaded. And then there's times where I'm like, gosh, he's nailing it exactly. In the end, I think I agree with him far more than I disagree with him. And the times that I disagree with, it's because he's a capitalist and I'm probably a capitalist as well. And our 
agendas are bumping into each other essentially is what it comes down to. Um, and so, but I think that he, uh, defending the borders of surf culture is the right headed thing that he's always looking out for. And of course he's a capitalist. So he's going to do it in a way that allocates as much of the pie into his plate as possible. Um, but you know, somebody pointed out in the comments section, like, look, he was running Billabong and Billabong has deals with TJ Maxx and these discount retailers in America where they have entire lines of clothing that are manufactured directly to go to TJ Maxx. So how many Billabong t-shirts or whatever did he sell to these discount retailers that are mainstream and that have nothing to do with core surf culture, you know? So it's, they're pointing out some hypocrisies and maybe Paul would even own up to those as missteps or something like that, because certainly they're not doing that with Visla. Um, but yeah, it's interesting. As far as non-endemics, I think that he was right. Like you said, at that time, it was definitely the right perspective to have. But I also feel the times have changed. So now there's things like we can have athleticgreens.com slash surf as a sponsor that in no way compromises the culture or in no way uh, affects any small surf brands because it's non-conflicting and they can support our work. You and I can continue to do independent work that maybe helps even bolster surf culture and it doesn't conflict in any way. There's a way to navigate it, you know? There, I mean, I think it's the, it's probably a good thing overall or, or I see it as a good thing for the, uh, the monopoly that was, Billabong, Quicksilver, you know, uh, Volcom, like the big ones. And the stories that were allowed to be told, right? I mean, they were, you had magazines as vehicles to tell stories, uh, but those were the sponsors. So you couldn't tell anything about them really, right? And so right. All, that, all that breakdown has been good for uh, the surf world, I think. Like world, Correct. we are better off that these companies no longer have a uh, foot on the neck. But he was right to think, because in that model that you're talking about, which is the time that Paul was talking about, things existed in the magazines. You had to run through this narrow filter. And so it was important to protect those borders to make sure that that filter was correctly or accurately reflecting the surf experience. But he's specifically in this episode is specifically talking about Nike. And so Nike basically coming in and just paying not even even understanding the space, but coming in and just saying, here, we're going to write checks to these gatekeepers to then give us entree into the space and tell us about the space. We're not going to learn anything about it. We're just going to buy our way into it. That's what he was trying to protect against. Yeah. But, and again, I mean, I get it, but the Nike coming in, uh, I suppose you could argue, you know, I don't know, maybe it was Nike and this, this flood in is what collapsed the, this, you know, cottage industry that was core and cool. But I think Nike paid athletes, right? Athletes got money from those Nike deals. Athletes got money, even if they weren't riding for Nike, like Jordy, right? Jordy got paid out by O'Neill because they were worried that he would go to Nike. Uh, and so everybody got paid more. So it was like this high time for pro surfers that, so I don't see Nike coming in as a, as a net negative. It was, and the fact they got out, I mean, you know, bought early and then sold early and bounced, like that was it for them, which 
seems like tail between the legs and sort of in skateboarding too. I mean, they, I think they make enough money from the skateboard shoes that those will always be around, but Nike's place in skateboarding is a lot smaller than it used to be. Well, then let me ask you this. Um, not only did they pay those athletes, but they also gave them the best lifestyle and experience. So Nike would rent multiple houses on the North shore during the winter time. And each athlete would actually have their own private. I don't know if it was one compound with three houses on it, but Julian explained it, that he had his own house. Kaloe had his own house. Yeah. Alejo, Alejo and Michelle had their own place. And the main they house. Had, yeah. They had private yeah. chefs. Yeah. They had masseuses. And so they're living such a more plush lifestyle than all the other athletes riding for other brands. But if you look at the stats competitively, none of those surfers on Nike lived up to what Nike was actually paying them to do. So my question to you is, how do you properly compensate for performance? It's almost, I, I wonder if the overcompensation and the overplushness that they provided actually hindered their competitive prowess. I mean, could have been, or they just could have picked the wrong guys, right? Or, but maybe they were the right guys for them. They didn't care necessarily about, uh, about results. They, you know, maybe Julian was moving the needle. I mean, clearly they weren't because Nike didn't stick and surf at all, right? They were Nike right. 6.0 or whatever it was to Nike surf. And that was so short-lived uh, where they bought Hurley and then just threw it all into Hurley. And then I suppose her, the Hurley-Nike uh relationship must have been beneficial to Nike at some point. I think Hurley was probably profitable. Yeah. I mean, you'd have to assume. And then they flipped that. So I guess they're, you know, for for such paltry amounts though, for, for amounts that Nike doesn't think about. That's what that's what they're exactly. serving. And so it just got so annoying that it was, you know, why are we even thinking about this? We're making a couple hundred thousand dollars a year or whatever it is, a couple million dollars a year on this thing that is not part of our core business. Let's just get rid of it. But yeah, so clearly, I, clearly the experiment did not work, but did it not work because those guys were the wrong guys or simply because uh, broader culture started looking away from surfing, like surfing I, became not the cool thing. Yeah, I understand why Nike did what they did and all that kind of stuff that you just explained. And I understand, but beyond what Paul Nade is saying about protecting the borders, I don't care how much money Nike spent. It's justifiable for them as a marketing expense. I care if it hinders the athlete achieving their full potential. You know, if a full belly and plush environs prohibit a heat win, then I feel like they the model was entirely broken or the team managers did their jobs wrong. Like, I think that there are- a, Would Kolohe or Julian ever win? I mean, that's what you could argue. I think I, so. I think you could easily argue that Julian Wilson had all the potential to win a world title. And at some point, Somebody put too much money in front of him, too much food on his plate to where it really eroded the desire to actually get the job done. You know, when you see these, um, the coaches who are making the athletes wake up extra early and show up at dark or do extra pushups or whatever, that's the exact opposite of having a private chef and a mis private masseuse. Except like for baseball, for those following along with the playoffs, uh, Padres have Manny Machado, right? Signed him to a 10-year, $300 million contract. I think he's in year four. 
maybe of it. But you would think you got your 10 year, 300 million guaranteed. Uh, but he's had MVP seasons since he signed it, right? Because he has clearly the mentality of I'm not letting, I want to be a great player. Uh, I want to be one of the greatest players. So I will do the work every single morning where very clearly Julian didn't have that mentality of I want to be a great server. So if he didn't have that to begin with, maybe being hungry doesn't, doesn't solve that. I see. I feel like he did have it. And it's actually interesting to hear him talk about it because they do interview him and Kaloe because they talk specifically about how the partnership with the brand changed their perspective on surfing, on their entire relationship with surfing. And the way that Kaloe explained it was when Nike um, kind of dissolved their surf program and the team integrated back into Hurley team riders, Kaloe was like, look, I had all this creative independence and ability to kind of manage my image when it was with Nike. But now when I'm one of 30 athletes, he goes, I felt like I was riding for John John. And then I showed up on the North shore, the first winter, and they handed me Julian Wilson's signature board short for me to wear. So he goes, I feel like I'm riding for John John's brand because he was the marquee athlete and I'm not, and now I'm wearing Julian's shorts. Like, I don't know where I fit in here. And so they're literally talking and Julian talks about when he was on Nike, all of the pressure that he felt because he's the marquee athlete with this brand. And so he has to perform differently, behave differently. And it was just bizarre to think like, man, this business relationship absolutely is affecting not only how you surf heats, but how you surf and how you view surfing as a whole. Like, I, I really feel like it erodes and hinders what the original goal is maybe a, I think a bit but I also are like personally but I think a champion is such a rare quality like being around the wife's various athletes being a champion is something freaky we take it for granted we just assume that a champion won you know it's hard work and hunger and being better right but it's not just that like it's an it's an extra weird quality of kicking it over the kicking it over the line and you know even with uh i don't know i think to do it time and time again also like pip toledo's championship we'll see right if he continues to win championships even without paddling into chopu then i'll say okay pip's got like the weird extra gene but that is super rare and i think Looking at Julian and Chloe, I don't think they just never had it. They would have never had it. And sure, things changed and blah, 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 blah. But they they were not, they didn't have the thing that wins you a championship. I agree with you. I, the difference between being a top five athlete and a champion is entirely worlds, different. It's worlds apart. Like the difference between me and you and a top five athlete is closer than <laughs> the difference between a top five, five athlete and a champion. So based on your experience being around the wife's athletes, do you think Felipe Toledo has what it takes to win more more than one? I mean, the proof will really be in the pudding. We'll see how, you know, I think there's some who kind of luck into their one championship and that's fine. Uh, They're not necessarily champions. They are people who won a championship, but champions, I suppose, the distinction are, you know, the people who can, uh, just redo it again. Like you can stay in that mindset and do it again. And I'll say, I'd say Idolo is a champion, right? Gabe is clearly John, John oddly is uh, Kelly, of course is um, the one offers. 
through the World Surf League and ASP's history, I think you could make a case for some of them and case against most of them. I agree. Um, I don't think Felipe has it, and I, I'll be glad to be proven wrong, but I don't see him going past this one world title, um, and mainly because the other people who he would be contending against are just so much stronger surfers in a variety of conditions, you know? The only thing I would say, though, I mean, but the, the WSL is really stacking it in Felipe's I agree. Uh, favor accidentally by both making it less interesting to the, like, how are you, I mean, John John clearly seemed checked out. Or, I mean, he's 30 also, so he's arguably past his professional surfing prime, but uh, it clearly checked out. Sailing the world doesn't care. Uh, Gabe, it'll be real interesting to see if he check back, checks back in. Idolo seems like he caught the fire again, but who's going to stand a little bit like at Surf Ranch and all of this kind of crappy reimagined tour? Who really stands? I could see Pip winning four and still not having the heart of a champion. That's a great point. That's a great, great point. Um, also, to your point about um, the difference between or the the money not necessarily being what hindered Julian or Kaloe, John John Florence surpassed all of those guys with his $4 million a year contract with Hurley and then won two world titles with the 4 million bucks. So exactly. it didn't, it didn't hinder his performance at all, you know? And, and I mean, I think in truth, John, John was that much, both that much of a better surfer, but you can't just be that much of a better surfer. Like you can get totally stuck in weird, like, but really was a competitor as much as he tried to revive chill bro. Like you've got to be, you've got to be a pit bull uh for your heats to win that consistently to win titles yeah yeah totally um they had great waves on tour when he won those world titles as well you know so that helps that helps for his style of surfing for sure um but this also leads us to the mick fanning article that i mentioned earlier which is on you wrote on beachgrid.com it says as staggering wealth revealed champion surfer mick fanning crowned one of the most successful post-retirement business athletes business athletes in Australia, exclamation point, end quote. What's the story here? Bravo, Mick. It was revealed, though not many details were given, uh, that, yeah, Mick has gone on. I think it claimed that he won 2 or $3 million over his uh, years on tour from prize winnings, but probably had to have, like the whole thing seemed oddly kind of silly to me because I was thinking he probably made – some how much do you reckon he made at Ripple? 10 million over the total of his career yeah well he's making a million a year right kind of through the heyday years or 1.2 or something plus, like that plus red plus plus, red Bull, plus everything else i mean i reckon that he made 20 million dollars uh over the course of his career so it seemed kind of funny to me it seemed which i should have written about more now that i think about it they were just looking at his prize money and saying wow he he spun this prize yeah. money into a $20 million fortune, which, right. and he's still making money from Red Bull, making money from Rip Curl, you know, so all good. But yeah, he invested in real estate. He invested in restaurants and bars and a uh, fitness thing. Balter was the big one, his stake in Balter. So I think netted in like five mil or something like that. So yeah, Mick Fanning, who would have ever seen that coming though? Whether or not he made twenty million alone from Rip Curl and and Red Bull, 
He, as one of the most successful post-retirement business athletes, athlete businessmen in Australia. Good for him. And yeah. um, I like Mick a lot. It's incredible to see the level of surfing that he's still doing um, through that electric acid surfboard test recently. So I'm a big fan and I love to see this. So many other surfers have transitioned into like, um, their own brands, you know, Dane, Dane, Julian, there's a couple that I feel like are more successful than others. Obviously Florence Marine X, Kelly Slater's, but Julian's feels like a little bit of a forced fit. What's like, I don't really, Julian is Rivia. I'm, I'm, I've been unaware until this moment. Yeah, it has two V's, R-I-V-V-I-A. Rivia, what do they make? It looks like golf clothing and like athleisure. Oh, that's probably pretty smart though. Like that stinking Lululemon for men sort of stuff is yeah. like, I'm sure he'll crush. I don't know if he will though. You know what I mean? Like it, you didn't even know that it existed. Julian, I did, but I don't play golf or wear athleisure. So it's clearly not aimed at me and they're not wasting any resources at getting it to me. Yeah, I guess so. I, I guess my my thought is Dane has a real personality point and style. Have you and ever so, seen a piece of uh, what's Dane's scholarship? Former. Yeah. Have you ever seen a piece of former in the wild? I would love, I would love to. This is nothing against Dane or the brand. Right. I just... Like, I don't see it anywhere ever. And I live in a surfy town that has, you know, some core elements. You'd think I'd see it around. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I hear what you're saying and I don't see it either, but I think that it is successful. Uh, not super successful, but I think it's it still exists and it's five or six years old. You know what I mean? It has lasted longer than I expected it to. Uh, Kelly clearly has an agenda and a personality and an image. John John Florence certainly does. And Julian, I just feel like I don't even know what the image is or the agenda is or the style is. So I'm going to go on, I, go on record right now to say that's going to be the most successful of all of them. Okay, perfect. Let's let's take ta- or uh, after, we'll after track the golf that. stuff. He because he is a golfer, right? He's like an avid golfer, and he has entree into that world. And I'm sure. I mean, I see more. Viore pants on men around here than anything by far, or Viore shorts, right? Well, and yes, it's because well, it's because whoever's behind that company is obviously doing an excellent job getting it out there into the market and marketing it and all that sort of stuff. If I don't know who is behind Julian's project, and I agree with you, he's maybe in a in a good category that he fits in. But if they're not driving, who's behind the brand? Who's driving it? Who's doing all the actual day-to-day work? You know? Julian. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> Which is why we haven't seen that in the wild either. At any rate, at any rate, my point is to say that Mick Fanning, you know, it's not, he's not trying to force a fit. It's like his fits with rib curl. He's collecting a paycheck. He's continuing. It's an easy it's an easy job for him to do an easy role for him to fill. And then just taking those earnings, putting them in other businesses that other people are doing the legwork with and letting it, not, letting it be sexy business. Like it's like uh, Shaquille O'Neal investing in a bunch of Taco Bells or whatever he buys, right? Like Magic right. Johnson owning a bunch of Starbucks franchises. Like yeah. it's stuff that is, not, it just like earns money, right? It just yeah. prints money. You don't have to worry about it. It's not sexy. You're not out there with your big name on your, 
Taco Bell franchise, but you got 40 of them. They're just like each printing money. You're just sitting back collecting. Yeah. I think that's super savvy. I love seeing it. Um, You know what they should buy? hmm. A Bubba Coos franchise. That leads us to our commercial. Not quite though. Um, You're right though. He should. So two entirely unexpected themes have developed on this show over the years. Uh, Wealth management and financial advice and health and health and wellness advice. We're good at both of them. Who knew? Best in class. Yeah. Best surf podcast with a health and wellness and financial strategy approach. We steered people away from layered superfoods when that went public. We steered people towards AG1. Wow. I didn't think about it. We're actually good at this. I know. Totally unexpected. I don't don't think we started out good at it. We, it took us some time. We had terrible, probably advice for both those things in the early days, but just paying attention, we're getting good. Man, listen up people. You're Um, welcome. And you know, the quickest and the easiest way to do, uh, to get rich or to do any of this is to marry up, which you and I can also advise on. That's marry the secret up. key to our success. Marry up. It's so true. You don't have the stresses. You don't have these stress. Not, and I'm not talking money stresses here. I'm saying marry up in terms of an emotionally intelligent person where you can go be your best self because you have support. And I'm not even talking material support. I think I get busted all the time for being marrying a richer woman and it's true i did but no longer beach grit crushing it i'm richest in the family perfect but i have the support of a wonderful wife doesn't she have to take your last name or something if you have one month of earnings that's greater than hers i claim one she claims it's a year so i I got i got a ways to go here but i'm on the way okay Okay. As long as Giselle and Kelly actually get together, boom, I got it. Well, we also have to um, hamstring your wife. We need to like cripple her earnings during this same time to really help you pop you up. Shoot me to the moon. Yeah, I should start doing subtle stories undermining her business interest. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, that's perfect. She'll She'll be happy. She'll be supportive of that too. So yes, this is our advice to listeners is um, obviously, obviously avoid layered superfoods, obviously drink AG1, obviously get a Bubba Coos franchise, get rich off burritos, also marry up. Marry up might be the first step that'll allow you to do those other steps. It's true. This goes for men and women, by the way. Yeah, of course. Your your married up spouse will so support a Bubba Coos franchise. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, it's funny. I, I, I don't know who I was having this conversation with. Oh, it was in these last couple of weeks we were gone. I was talking to a friend. We were talking about like, when you're poor, everything compounds, you know, and when you're rich, poorness compounds. And when you're rich, richness compounds. Like when you're poor, if you get a um, parking ticket, you're going to get 17 more or that one you can't pay for, you know, it's like, I mean, parking tickets around here or at Los Angeles or whatever, 75 bucks or something. It's like your budget's tight. You can't pay the 75 bucks or you can't maybe by the time it's due, then that becomes 150 bucks. And you definitely can't pay that. Then all of a sudden 
you're trying to get your car registered and it's turned into 400 bucks and the $300 car registration is now 700 bucks. You can't pay that. And it's just, it just compounds. It's impossible to get out of. And even if you get a raise in whatever job you're working in, in that, you know, category, your raise is 50 cents an hour. It's not enough to actually change your situation. On the flip side of it, if you're rich and you have surplus income, Mick Fanning, you make some investments, those turn into millions of dollars and that just compounds. So your only hope is to be kind of middle tiered and to be able to get into the next tax bracket to where you can actually kind of make some meaningful change because it's super hard to get out of those that poor category, you know? I'll tell you, the next tax bracket sucks. That next tax <laughs> bracket is terrible. That thing will put you right back down into poverty real quick. To earn more money and then to end up netting way, less money. Way less money. Yeah, that's pretty is great. An, is an absolute crime of the tax system. Yeah. Um, well, there's a couple of news stories. Before we do go to our Bubba Coos break, a uh, couple of news stories that maybe we should touch on. Uh, in unprecedented sporting history move, World Surf League crowns second Asterix champion in under a month. Yes. They got a longboard world champ now. Bravo to them. But uh-oh, the sitting world champion, Joel Tudor, was not invited to, to perform and also not discussed one bit. How weird is that? I mean, how weird that you can't even address the elephant in the room at all. Like say, hey, look, at everybody watching out there, you know, Joel's not here because Joel got suspended for saying inflammatory things. But let's turn our attention to the water. So not only did they not mention his inflammatory things, they never even acknowledged their current world champ. Yeah. They can't even say his name. And this is a little bit of a rumor, but substantiated rumor. There was a missive from the WSL to the commentators at the longboard championship event at Malibu to not speak of Joel Tudor. Just I mean, a complete insane. erasure. It's ins- I mean, the, the WSL is truly Stalinist in the way that it's trying to change both history. I mean, it started with claiming that we started in 1976 and then has gone on from there of like this complete realignment of everything. Like just by, and I don't know how they think their will is so big that they can do that. But it, I mean, to me, it looks like it looks perpetually foolish. Nobody forgot Joel Tudor, especially not people who are watching that are longboard fans. Nobody's stumbled on to the longboard broadcast and thought, what's yeah. this? Right? Anybody who is watching that is an honest to goodness longboard fan. And if you're a longboard fan, then whether you're a fan of Joel Tudor or not, you're a trillion percent no Joel Tudor. And so it just seems asinine. Like if they said, okay, this is going to be big broad, this is going to be on NBC. And we're going to have this huge non-endemic audience watching longboard. Let's not talk about this little ugly thing, right? Let's, they don't need to know. It's not, the, the, everybody knew, everybody watching knew. Well, um, it's funny that nobody even commented on the event itself. I mean, your one article, which wasn't even about the event itself. It was about, it was more about Joel Tudor than it was about the event itself. Um that's the only article I even saw written about the Longboard World Championship. I was on various surf websites over the course of the last two weeks. Nobody even commented on it. But I think arguably that's the World Surf League's whole goal is to kill the Longboard World Tour. They don't want to run it. They don't. It doesn't move the needle for them. They it very well could. I mean, I would still argue that who's the 
every valve out there is on longboard of some sort, whether it's a, you know, wave storm or whatever it is, like it's something you could actually sell probably if you thought about it hard enough to feed the in massive influx of people beginning to surf, but they don't have the imagination or the time. And so they've been looking to kill it and now they have the perfect excuse. Nobody writes about it. Nobody pays attention to this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's bizarre. Yeah. Super bizarre. But in the way that kind of um, they're redesigning the shortboard tour to not allow the best surfers in the world to do the best surfing, the best longboarders in the world don't need to compete on the, on the longboard tour either. Like everybody knows Joel Tudor is the guy and it's, he doesn't need to compete. I mean, he wants to compete and he'll show up in a win if, you know, given the chance, but he can exist and everybody knows that he's the guy without the WSL. And I feel like surfing is, or shortboard surfing is going that way as well, Yeah. where it's like, we're getting, we're getting video clips of John, John Florence in the South Pacific getting shacked at cloud break or wherever he's at in far better surf than what they're serving up for lowers on finals day. So as viewers, we're like, well, this is way more compelling than that. And this guy surfs way better than that guy. So it just really erodes the relevance of what they're doing. The WSL is doing. I got a funny Instagram message for somebody who said, here's a funny drinking game to play. Uh, go to the world surf leagues, YouTube feed their channel, right? Sort by whatever videos, most played videos. Uh, scroll down until you find the most watched event in history per world surf league chest pounding the finals day lowers and you have to take a drink every time you stop and think you must have passed it already because it's it's that low in their own feed right like really they're the, yeah they're the ones claiming this is the most watched thing in history with eight million and counting and whatever and whatever and whatever it doesn't even it ranks so low on their own World Surf League videos that it, it's hard to find, apparently. And I would also, without even actually looking at the stats, I would argue st- all of those videos still have fewer views than any one of Jamie O'Brien's twice a week clips. For sure. For sure. You know or, ben Gra- or Ben Gravy's tanker surf. Exactly. Um, there was another story that I don't think you wrote about. I was shocked to see you not write about it was Mark Zuckerberg's foil exploits somebody in his company who's been with the company forever is now coo or some high position and the video that he posted of the guy was him foil surfing an outer reef somewhere in hawaii of zuck or of himself of the guy that it works for his company like i think zuck's out in the water with him but the clip is of his cohort i missed this yeah i was so caught up in giselle and kelly that look at what i missed well i see i i was just scrolling instagram and it's I see the clip and it's on Zuckerberg's Instagram. I'm like, what the heck? And it's a legit wave. I mean, the wave never actually broke. It was just like a big lull, but it was, you know, a big 15 foot swell. I was like, holy cow, Zuck has like actually gotten better at this thing. And it turned out to not be Zuck. It was his underling who was doing it. But still, it was like, I'm going in. I'm going back in. I'll send it. I'll send it to you. Thank you. All right. Well, hey, that brings us to uh, commercials. So let's go ahead, cut to commercial and uh, tell people how they can get even more rich with our advice. All right, Chaz, today's show is brought to you um, by Breast Cancer Awareness Month at Bubba Coos. I mean, talk about two great things going together, breast cancer awareness 
and burritos. Uh, you, it's, it seems like an odd fit, but here, as we spoke about two weeks ago on this very show is that, uh, breast cancer awareness is actually an awareness campaign that can actually do good. It's not just to toot our own horn or pat ourselves on the back. Breast cancer through early detection is treatable. And, um, you know, you can certainly avoid negative effects of it. And uh, so Bubba Coos is kind of raising awareness. They're partnering with the American Cancer Society for the month of October. They're raising money to help support their research efforts in the fight against breast cancer. So it's not just awareness, ma'am. Look at that. Not just awareness. Every store this month will be selling Cancer Sucks cups at the register, and they're also taking donations in the store or on the app. So you can go to bubacoos.com to find out where store locations are and um, bubacoos.com slash surf, go there, and then you can download the app. And then that helps them let you know, let them know that they, you found um, them through us and our show. So um, obviously eat at Bubacoos if there's a location near you, if there's not, consider a franchise, and then of course, consider donating and supporting the breast cancer awareness campaign at bubacoos.com slash surf. When you're hiring for a small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. And there's no faster or effective way than through LinkedIn jobs. Your time and capital are precious, and there is a powerful resource that can help you focus on what you're good at and integrate people into your team seamlessly to help grow your business. LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to find the right professionals for your team efficiently and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. Everyone is already on LinkedIn with their resumes and references, and now LinkedIn has designed a hiring platform to connect you with candidates specifically qualified for the job that you post about. More than a billion professionals meticulously organized to connect people by skill set to help us all advance our position. 2.5 million businesses already use LinkedIn for hiring, and 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. It's that fast, easy to use, and effective. LinkedIn Jobs can help you write job descriptions, filter the right person to you, and give you the tools to help you interview them like a pro. LinkedInjobs.com surf is where you go to post your job for free. Yes, totally free. That's linkedinjobs.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. All right, Chaz, we're back. Um, let's do a quick true grit or clickbait crap before we go to barrel or not. Nah. Let's do it. Quote, Quote, Bill Murray, iconic comedian and dear friend of champion surfer Kelly Slater, viciously accused of dumping child in trash can for refusing to move off couch. It is true, David Lee. Really? And I'm going to say that it is directly related to Kelly as well, because not hours either before or after this story broke, did Kelly have an Instagram photo with him and Bill Murray? So I'm going to say very much related. The story, did you know the story? Did you read the story? Do you remember I Seth Green? I have no idea. Seth Green, the comedian? Or he's not Yeah, comedian. yeah, yeah, yeah. Seth Green. yeah the he, was in, uh, he was in Austin Powers, of whatever. Course. He Doctor. was in Airborne. Yeah, that one, Seth Green. So Seth Green tells this story 
uh, I can't remember who, a variety maybe, but anyway, that he was nine years old and invited on Saturday Night Live to do some thing on week, Weekend Update, I think. It was like what kids think or something, right? And he was like a, in movies or something at the time. So it was a, one notable, you know, child actor thing. Anyway, he was sitting on where Bill Murray wanted to sit, but Bill Murray comes in the room, asks him to move, and he's like, no, or something. And his mom was sitting there saying, like, you could sit somewhere else to Bill Murray, something like that. So Bill takes, uh, off Seth Green by the ankles, dangles him above the trash can. Uh, Green hits him in the balls, so Murray <laughs> Murray dropped him in the trash can, and then Green went and hit under a table and cried and said it was like super traumatizing. That story should have come been delivered by Seth Green as I was a little prick kid, and uh, that was really funny, you know. Like, but no, it was it was. Delivered as in Bill Murray caused me uh, permanent trauma that I'm still dealing with today. Um, yeah, that's first of all, is Seth Green just trying to be relevant. Is he still working? I don't think so. I think this is his uh, look at me. I'm, I'm around. I mean, he must have to get interviewed. He must have been probably promoting something. But OK, uh, yeah, I don't know what it was. Um, yeah, I I feel like at some point he transitioned into like producing or writing and so maybe he's doing i don't know maybe he's doing uh media for something that he's written or something like that but i agree with you his tact on this is entirely wrong this is a hilarious yeah. story and in no way is he a victim of bill murray no 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 and for sure he was acting super entitled and so on the story it's like as have you swung into beatrice comments lately yeah i have there's a slew of new people commenting who are not necessarily from the community and right. so I, I got to be in trouble for how do you condone this is child abuse etc cetera, etc cetera. and perfect I'm like, what are you talking about have you ever had a nine-year-old child like do you like jerks need to be put into place often yeah I guarantee seth green was being entitled and jerky and rude and all the bad things um while i was gone i didn't fully track it i just saw a couple of uh instagram posts about it that i don't know if they were even vetted or what source they were from but something about bill murray being in trouble like he was going to get canceled for i don't know sexual misconduct something. or something it's something i like i think maybe that's where seth green was piling on okay or, like i think maybe yeah bill murray was in the news for i don't know it was being rude to somebody being like abrasive i don't know if there's any touching or whatever I didn't read the stories either, but yeah, Bill Murray's getting, he's trying to cancel them. Are they, is it actually legit though? Or is it just kind of, I don't know. I think he's cantankerous and whatever. So okay. one of the new commenters on beach grit said that they uh, worked as an airline and something and had to seat him one time. And he was like insufferable, like whatever. I think he's can be a jerk, but Kelly's disappointing. Great friend. Yeah. You'd think that Bill Murray would be kind, but whatever. I've always liked his cantankerousness and um, certainly I've never been around him and I'm not a woman who's ever been around him, but I never got creepy vibes from him. So no. I'd be disappointed to hear that he is. Um, and I think it was less creepy than just than pure mean, but okay. again, I haven't read the stories either. I could be wrong. Um, further, I refer to Austin, our kid, as baby Bill Murray because he's got the exact same hairstyle like it's kind of thin up front, 
and on the top and it's all curly in the back and it sticks out a bit. He's got the same head shape. His face kind of looks the same and his personality reminds me of Bill Murray. So I always refer to him as my little Bill Murray or my baby Bill Murray. And when I realized, when I saw those headlines of Bill being canceled, I just thought, oh no, Uh I can't refer to my baby as little Bill Murray anymore. You still can. I'm going to say you still can. Okay. I just don't want to get painted with a me too brush. That's all. Kelly, Kelly Slater approved. Okay, cool. Um, and for those who don't know, there's more uh, Bill Murray relation to the surf world than just Kelly Slater. He was at G-Land back in the day. Yeah. There's images of him holding a surfboard. I don't know if he's actually surfed, but there's images of him holding surfboards. So there's that. Yeah, it's true. Um, true Grit or Clickbait, World Surf League CEO Eric Logan achieves boyhood dream cosplays as fighter pilot during exciting weekend, exclamation it, point. It's true. He did. He got to go to Fresno <laughs> with his friends who are apparently World One, who's a fighter pilot, and sit in the cockpit and throw shakas and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I'll tell you what, uh, Jesse Miley Dyer and Eric Logan's separate Instagram accounts have each gone so far off the rails that it is daily comedy. It is daily pure comedy to watch both of them on Instagram. It's, it's really insane. And it's, it's I'm happy. I mean, I would be apprehensive to even bring it up, but then the fact that you wrote a story about it, I was like, thank goodness. So we can talk about this. It's, these are adults. <laughs> I mean, it's insane. When I came across this post of Eric, it's got the words popping up on the screen. So like he knows how to use the platform really effectively. It's him, perfectly quaffed hair, perfectly groomed uh, beard grinning like a child because he's going to ride in a fighter jet but he's not just going to experience this he's going to document the entire thing in selfie mode cut it together like a professional and then publish it so that his fans can participate in his outing but he didn't get to fly though too he just got to sit in the fighter it even more insane you know what i mean like every part about it i'm like what what is happening well i mean and God bless her. I, I really like Jesse Miley Dyer. She might not know that, but I really do. But watching her do her videos as like, I am your business inspiration guru. Like, I don't know what got into their heads. Both of them, like they somehow made each other insane people. Like both of them are living a fantasy that is, I'll tell you, Listeners, get in while the getting's good because who knows when this is going to stop. But both of them are so stinking off the rails that it seems like I don't want to blame mushrooms or something, but it seems like they're both on some thing. Maybe they're just on pure, dripping pure pos- positivity into their veins, but they've both gone wild. I know it's really insane. Um, remind me what successful business ventures does Jesse have that she's. Um develop this credibility for from the world the world surf league david lee scales she has brought equality to the world surf league so much so that tennis icons now are aware of surfing because of the work that has been done ah ah yeah yeah okay okay so okay cool yeah yeah super credible then but Um, but honestly everyone it's i don't write about them because i don't want to Unlike Kelly Giselle, I don't want to flog that dead horse, but it is 
daily hilarity. Well, the other thing is nobody actually cares. You know what I mean? Like you and I can joke about it and we would joke about it if we were just having a cocktail at dinner quietly. We happen to have microphones in front of us. And so we're just kind of sharing the conversation with everybody else, but nobody beyond us staring at surfing under a microscope actually cares what Eric's doing or what Jesse's doing and certainly don't care what they're posting on their Instagrams. I get the feeling because both I get the feelings both of them are very, uh, very engaged in growing their followings, which that's the bizarre part. Who knows why? The CEO of surfing and the senior vice president of tours, head of competition, whatever our title is, are very, 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 very engaged and spending time and energy in growing their personal follower accounts. Like, yeah. And, you know, getting a lot of strokes in the comments. It's honestly like they're just decided to be influencers. And like, how does surfing benefit from having either Jesse Miley Dyer or Eric Logan as forward facing? Like, as this is, we are the brand. It's bizarre. It is straight up bizarre. It only, if anything, um, creates a liability for the big, for the WSL, you know, like if they are then public figures who are representing this thing and they misstep at any point, it reflects poorly on the brand itself. So it'd be better just to quietly do your job. It's crazy to me that the WSLs, whoever is in charge of their personnel hasn't pulled on both sides and said, Hey, we need to, we need to pump the brakes a little bit on the you to camera, you know, describing everything that you're doing. Like, it's crazy. Yeah. Okay. Well, that leads us to Barrel or Not. It's actually our first Barrel or Not. We hit this years and years ago, but it's now more relevant than ever. Um, Barrel or Not, starting a TikTok account. So, nah, for, I'm going to say for anyone, unless you have a business interest, if you are going to make money and like real, like, you know how you have a path forward, right? You have an existing fan base. You can do something that you can share that will then generate income. Have at it. If you're doing it for any other reason than that, then you are uh, retardé, as they say in French. You're late. Well, I, so yes, specifically for Surf Splendor then, because couple of people recently have been like dude just get on there post whatever you're doing up for instagram take that exact video you don't have to do anything new for tiktok just take that exact video publish it put some hashtags on it and watch the thing blow up like the algorithm the way that it works is pervasive and crazy and so you'll be amazed at the returns you get for basically just posting the same thing you would have on instagram well look we have something to sell so there we go Okay. So I should do it. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Well, the other weird thing is I have friends in their fifties who are sending me TikToks, like in our group message, they're sending me just like they would 10 years ago have sent me a YouTube video of something funny. They're now just sending me TikTok videos of something funny. And I'm thinking that means this 55 year old male is scrolling TikTok. I hope to God he's not posting videos, but he is at least he is at least using it as a platform to get probably news, but also entertainment, you know, like you and I do on Instagram. And it kind of blew my mind that the 50 year olds on there. It's weird. Yeah. I mean, I've stopped really. It's really even hard for me to motivate with Instagram anymore. I'm like, I go for Jesse and Eric 
and that's pretty much it. And then I'll kind of scroll through to see openly gay pets or animals or whatever it's called. Like, you know, look at this Russian, a couple of funny meme accounts and then be done for the day and can't even be bothered to post anymore, which is probably a bummer. I know I've since employed somebody to do the posting for me. Yeah, I need that. Employ both Kelly and Giselle. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, barrel on TikTok for business. No barrel if you're doing it for personal. Uh, barrel or not, nah, the Beach Boys, the Ooh. music group, not not the uh, actual Beach Boys. Man, as a kid, I thought they were so barrel. I thought it was real surf music. As an Oregon kid, putting the Beach Boys records on and jamming out and really feeling like I had arrived. I was listening to surf music. I was a surfer. Uh, Brian Wilson, I'm going to say, is a light barrel for Pet Sounds. Is like a, is like Brian Wilson and Pet Sounds, that album is a surf ranch barrel. Uh, <laughs> the Beach Boys today at your county fair, no barrel. So I had the exact opposite experience with the Beach Boys. I loved surfing and I felt like they were posers. And so, and the fact that they're even named the Beach Boys, I was like, these clowns, I want nothing to do with this. And their hit songs just were on, you know, the radio constantly. Hey, and my parents knew, yeah, I was just like, these guys, posers, I want nothing to do with them. They're faking, faking what I'm actually going to the beach and doing. Yet I've gotten older and I appreciate music now more than I did when I was a kid. Their music's amazing. Have you gone to the county fair to see them? Have you been no, that inspired? No. Oh, well, this is a new epiphany for me and I don't go to the fair anyways. So no, I have not. And I don't think I would, but just on my Discover Weekly this week, they fed me some uh, Beach Boys. It was a song I had never heard before. The song Speaking came Beach to my mind. Like, Discover Weekly. How embarrassed, would you be embarrassed if people saw your Discover Weekly? What, through not your listening habits, what Spotify thinks that you will like? Not at all. I remember, though, an episode of, uh, I think it was King of Queens, where Pat Oswald's character, Netflix is feeding him, like, Queer Eye for the Straight Guy and <laughs> Sex in the City. Netflix thought he was gay, basically, was the joke, and he was all offended. That's or maybe crazy. it was TiVo at the time, but yeah. no, I would not be offended. I would not be embarrassed to share my Spotify Discover Weekly at all. We we should both share our Spotify Discover we Weeklies. Can we do that on searchblender.com? Search? Yeah, yeah, we could Instagram it. We could make a TikTok video about it. Okay, perfect. Um, but the, they fed me the Beach Boys. It was a song I had never heard before. And I'm like, instantly, I'm like, God, this is kind of incredible. And then I secondly identified it as Beach Boys because it sounded like them. And I just thought, man, their catalog is super deep. And the obscure stuff is actually more interesting and better than the big hits by far. Oh, yeah. And I'm just, I'm kind of, I'm really you're into down. it. You're down. I think I'm going to, I'm going to predict that your love affair with the Beach Boys, you're going to get super into it. You're going to listen to Pet Sounds. It's going to be great. You're going to think this is great. This is great. This is great. This is great. And then it's going to slowly fade. <laughs> That's how all music works, though. You just burn yourself out on it. Um, the the Dennis Wilson kind of side story with Marilyn Man or not Marilyn Manson, Charles Manson. Are you familiar no. with that? Uh, vaguely, I remember that they there was a dabble. Yeah, Charles Manson um, was a musician and like an aspiring musician, and so he finagled his way into like a friendship with Dennis Wilson. 
and Dennis Wilson was out promoting his music for him. So super interesting. Yeah. Uh, okay. Final barrel or not. This comes off of uh, my recent couple of weeks away with the new wife and kid. I had a surfboard with me. I had waves in front of me. Barrel or not. Going in after one wave. Uh, barrel. Total barrel, dude, right? Full on barrel. If you like, I'll say a couple different ways to get that barrel too. I'll say you paddle out and it sucks. You just paddle out to do it. You're sitting out there, it sucks anyway. You catch your one wave, you come in, right? Barrel. You're out there pumping. You catch a wave so good that you know you're not going to be able to recreate it. You come in. Those are the two real barrels. I mean, it's all barrel, but those are the two like stand up barrels. I used to, for a decade of my life, it was a two hour session was my average session. If the waves are pumping, maybe you're surfing three or four hours or something like that. In the last, I don't know, eight years, I'm a 45 set, 45 minutes is my session before work. Maybe it's the afternoon before the sun goes down, but 45 minutes is what I need to kind of get three or four or five waves or whatever. I'm at the point now where it's like, like I said, we're staying near the beach. There's waves out front. I see the waves kind of get good. The oh, kids on the beach, I, I want to spend time with the kid. I want to spend time with the wife, but I want to go out there and catch one wave. I catch yes. one wave, do what I want to do. It's real quick. It takes five minutes, come back in, have a good time. I feel like I kind of did everything. I took, uh, had the kid out surfing the other day. Uh, and then, and it was kind of pumping, right? But it was just me and her. And so I couldn't paddle out the back, but like, so, and you wanted, you know, it was fun on the inside too. And so she was catching them and whatever I was waiting out there. And then, you know, eventually said, okay, I'm going to go get one. Right. And just, you go on the beach. Cause I don't want you swimming when I'm out there. So paddle exactly. out, one wave. And it was like functional, serviceable, like getting the job done. Just getting the job done. That's yeah. all it is. Yeah. I, I, in addition to the examples you gave, I also have a third example, not as, proud of a moment but got the one wave thinking eh, i'll go back out and get another one just got stuck paddling out like sets were coming and i'm just like ah, you know what this is exhausting eh, i think it's time to go in spun around oh, just went back in man i don't want to i duck dive eight times i don't want to duck dive 16 to get that second wave i'm going in right now that's the one that's hard to stomach though to me once you bat once you're committed to one more wave to turn around feels like defeat where at least if you go in after that one, then you're going in victorious. Right. Well, no shame here. Yeah. Glad. Well, uh, Hey, great show. Great to be back. Oh, great. Next week in person. Sorry about this week. No, it's all good. Um, obviously thanks to bubacoos.com. We never say it, but thanks to linkedin.com slash surf. They don't, they don't require, yeah, they don't require a ton of us. We pre-record. They just we auto play those. But um, if you need to find a job, if you want to post a job to find employees, LinkedIn.com/surf. And then of course, I didn't mention it yet, but AthleticGreens.com/surf keeps us well and in business every week. It's so much better than anything else you can consume in the day. I mean, that's the real truth. The AthleticGreens.com/surf is the number one thing you can put in your body all day long counting everything it's, it's so simple yep it's simple and good for you it's like they automated it's just make why wouldn't you do it win-win 
athleticgreens.com slash surf. All right, chazbeachgrit.com. Help Chaz beat his wife's earnings this year. Go to beachgrit.com. Leave a comment. Click on the ads. You can do it. Anything else? Yeah, that's it. All right, sweet, man. I will see you next week. Until then, Chaz, let's have Hannah sign us off once again. Bon voyage.